Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. C.J. Richardson is our outgoing deacon chair, and he's going to come forward with a, uh, a charge to our new deacon candidates. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, well, it's with excitement and great anticipation that we're here today uh, to see you gentlemen ordained as new deacons. Uh, if we look at the scriptures, the book of Acts, uh, the apostles recognized that they needed people to assist them as they uh, fulfilled the Great Commission. The first deacons were men who were appointed literally to be servants. They were to help in service to the apostles as well as to the multitudes that were coming to hear the gospel. Uh, as deacons, that's still our role. We're called not only to serve others, but to do so with humble and willing attitudes. In the book of Matthew, we read that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus set the pattern in his own actions on our behalf, and we show ourselves to be Christ's followers by following his example. I encourage you then to live up to the standards set forth in 1 Timothy. Be full of wisdom, self-control, and the Holy Spirit, living and serving in a manner that represents Christ. And then in closing, I want you to remember that serving God doesn't come easy. By stepping up, you now are a target for the enemy. Uh, so I encourage the families of these men, as well as you, the church, to support them with prayer, encouragement, wise advice, and love. Thank you. Thank you, CJ. Appreciate CJ Richardson. If you have your Bibles with you, Open them with me to the book of Acts, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We'll read the first seven verses of Acts chapter 6. Ironically, these verses never mention the word deacon. But we believe that these verses tell us the origin of the New Testament deacon. All right? Acts chapter 1, beginning, Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. In those days... When the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, that would be the 12 apostles, gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. In our church, we have uh, a, a, a group of men we call deacons. They're based upon the New Testament because in the New Testament, the church found that they needed some, some guys to, to do some things in order to make sure that the ministry operated smoothly. And we find 
the origin of those guys called deacons in Acts chapter number six. It's an interesting time. It's early in the history of the church. The book of Acts gives the history of the early church. And the church started in Acts chapter two. This is Acts chapter six. We're only four chapters into the history of the church and there are thousands of people being added to the church. The church is growing rapidly. And what we find is that with this growth came conflict. With this growth came conflict. Verse number one, in those days, that would be the early days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the church was growing, the Hellenistic Jews, Hellenistic Jews were Jewish Christians who spoke Greek, complained against the Hebraic Jews, Christian Jews who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Okay, so there is a a growing church, but in the middle of that growing church, there is a conflict. Now, what I want you to see is at this point in the early church history, you have two groups of people, two groups of people within the church. There are Jewish Christians who speak Greek, and there are Jewish Christians who speak either Hebrew or Aramaic, two different groups. And what was happening was that in the daily ministry to the shut-ins and widows of of these groups, the Greek-speaking Jews said, hey, our shut-ins are being neglected. So there was a conflict. Now, if you know anything about churches, you know that you, you cannot have a growing church without conflict. In fact, I've often uh, said that I feel not only like a pastor, but I feel as church staff, I feel like sometimes I'm a firefighter. Not that I'm really a firefighter, but, but constantly we're having to, seems like we're having to put out these little brush fires that happen in church. We spend a lot of time doing that. Shouldn't be a surprise to us because with growth comes conflict. And so really, it's not a matter of whether there will be conflict. It is when that conflict will occur and what do you do with that conflict. This passage of Scripture tells us that there is a, was a right way to handle it and a wrong way to handle it, that conflict. First, there was the wrong way. Verse 2, so the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together, and here's what they said. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, this wait on tables was not Lord's Supper. This was that that daily food ministry to the shut-ins that was being conducted by the church. And the disciples, the apostles said this. They said, look, here's the wrong way to handle it. Make us do it. Make the pastors and the staff members do it. And the reason that was wrong is because the the responsibility of the apostles was to spread the good news about Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came to earth, died for our sins, rose from the dead to give us eternal life. and, And if we receive him as savior, he will give us eternal life as a free gift. That's the good news. And that was the responsibility of the apostles. So they said, now you can hand this to us, but that would be the wrong way to handle it. There's a right way to handle it. And we see that in verse three, brothers and sisters, 
Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So that we have this conflict in the church, and there was a wrong way to handle it. Make the staff all do it. There was a right way to handle it. Choose from among you some people who will handle this. In other words, the, the apostles were saying, hey, folks, you guys choose some from among you to handle this conflict. The next thing we find in this passage of Scripture is that if the body ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If the body ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Now, what body are we talking about? I'm talking about the church body. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this. says, this proposal pleased the whole group. What proposal? The proposal by the apostles that the church choose out from among them some men to handle this conflict. This proposal pleased the whole group. Who was the group? The whole church. The whole church body. You see, in order for uh, a church to be spreading the gospel effectively, in order for a church to be effective in ministry, she has to be together. She has to be united. And so we need to be careful to resolve conflicts in a positive way so that the church is united and pleased. So the proposal pleased the whole group. Verse 5 then tells us that the church body was pleased with the proposal that the apostles gave. The next thing we find in this, in this uh, story is that the squeaky wheel gets, not the grease, it gets chosen. The squeaky wheel gets chosen. Verse, still in verse 5 says, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. Now, you may not see this right off the bat, but if you study those seven names, what you'll find is this. Every one of those names is a Greek name, which meant these men were chosen from among that group of Jewish Christians who spoke Greek, which, by the way, happened to be the same group that felt like their widows and their shut-ins were being neglected. What did they do? What did the apostles in the church do? Very simple. They, they heard a conflict arise. They heard a complaint. They looked at the group that was issuing the complaint, and they said, we're going to choose the team to solve this from among those of you who are complaining. The squeaky wheel gets chosen. It's really, uh, that's really an ingenious thing for them to do, because who would be more motivated to solve this conflict than the ones who are feeling neglected in this ministry to begin with? So the names of these men were among the Greek-speaking Jewish people. The squeaky wheel gets chosen. And then the Bible says that they chose these men. And then the next thing that happens here is they received affirmation. And, and at this point, I want to say a little affirmation never hurts. Verse 6, they, the church, presented these men to the apostles and what did they do? They prayed and laid their hands on them. So here you have this conflict. Some folks are being neglected. The apostles said, hey, don't come to us to solve it. 
you choose some guys to solve it. They chose some guys from among the group that was complaining. They selected these men, presented them back to the apostles. And so basically the church was affirming these men. And then the apostles came up and they prayed and laid hands on these men. What does it mean to lay hands on someone? It means that you affirm them. You are for them. You believe in them. You support them. Everybody could use a little affirmation these days. So the deacons laid hands on them and they prayed for them. And then the final part of this passage tells us the most important part of it, really. Because it tells us that the reason that we are, that we need to rush to handle conflict, that we need to, we need to hurry to resolve problems in church is because the response to the gospel is what matters at the end of the day. What is the most important thing we do in church? It's reach people for Christ. That's the most important thing we do. That's what, uh, when we have VBS, that's the goal of VBS. We have weekday preschool, and it's about education, but it's also about reaching people for Christ. We have upward basketball and cheerleading. What is the primary goal of upward basketball and cheerleading? Yeah, we teach them to play basketball, but we're reaching people for Christ. What is the goal of our food pantry? Well, it's to feed people, but it's also to point them to Christ. Everything we do has, at the end of the day, the rock-bottom objective of reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's happening in the church as a whole in the world today is people who are unchurched look at us and they don't see us acting like Jesus. They don't see us supporting things that Jesus would support. And so they're, they're resisting the gospel. That's a tragedy. What needs to happen today is we need to be so much like Christ. We need to be so loving people like Jesus loved people that when people see us, they are drawn to us because they believe that we genuinely love them. What matters at the end of the day is the gospel is spread throughout our world. And so today... We are adding four great guys to our active deacon body. I want to tell you how the deacon body at Palmetto Baptist Church works. You probably already know this, but in case you don't, I I, I think it's important that we know. In some churches, deacons work as a board of administrators. Uh, Before I came to Palmetto Baptist Church, every church I'd been a part of, the deacon body was, they, they practically ran the church. They were a board of directors, a board of deacons. The problem with this is that nowhere in the Bible do deacons run churches. They're always servants. And so an idea of deacons running the church was not a good thing. But that's not the way deacons were operating here when I came here. In other churches, the deacons operate in what's called a deacon family ministry. And that's what our deacons were doing at the time that I came here. And and on paper, it works great. Here's the way it works. You take all the families of the church and you divide them up according to the number of active deacons you have so that each deacon is assigned to a certain number of families. And the the duty is to uh, minister to those families. Now, ideally, if you have... uh, anywhere from eight to 12 families for each deacon, that, that's doable. 
Because that way, it's a manageable number of, of, of families. And, and, and what the deacons were supposed to do is to contact, make contact with each of those families on a regular basis. Remember birthdays and anniversaries, which is a terrible thing for guys to have to do because it's all we can do to remember the birthdays and anniversaries of the folks in our immediate family, let alone those who are among our church families. And to minister to any of our families that had any crises. And what was happening was sometimes you'd be a church family and you'd be assigned a deacon who maybe he had a little more time on his hands or maybe he was a little more committed, I don't know, but he would make contact with you and your family at least once a quarter, sometimes once a month. He would make sure that you got birthday cards on time and anniversary cards on time and special event cards on time. And anytime you had somebody in the hospital or a death in your family, he was there. And you thought, wow, this is a great deacon. And you'd have that, that guy as your deacon for the whole year. And then the year would end. And then the next year, you'd have a different guy. Except you'd never see him. He'd never call you. He would never send a birthday card or an anniversary card. You might be in and out of the hospital and you'd still never hear from him. And so it just didn't work very well. As a result, uh, we had guys who said, hey, I don't want to be a deacon because that's just, I, I don't have time to do all that. And so it just, it, it, on paper, it worked great. In reality, it didn't work at all. So we changed the way our deacons work. And here's the way our deacons work. And I want you to get this. This year, we will have 45 active deacons. 45 active deacons. Those 45 guys are divided up into eight groups of either five or six deacons. So you have eight groups of five or six deacons, and those guys are on call, on duty, one week out of every eight weeks. So we're not going to burn them out, right? All right. Let's say that you have a deacon team that's on duty today. In fact, they are on duty outside. And what they'll do, they'll be here from around 8.30 to around 12.15 on Sunday, providing security and assistance to anyone who needs it when coming in or exiting the building. All right? They do that on Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, they'll take any guest cards we have and they make contact with our first-time guests to welcome them, see if they have any questions, any way we can be of service to them. In the week after that Sunday, we give them a list of some of our shut-in members. We have about, I don't know, 13 or 14 shut-in members that we want to make regular contact with. And so the guys who are, uh, who are on duty for that week, they will call all of the shut-in members that they are responsible for. If anyone is in the hospital or if there's a death in the family that the church staff is unable to reach out to administer, then we'll call the deacons for that week and they will touch base with them. Usually the church staff takes care of that, but in the case that we need extra help, we call the deacons. And so that's what they do one week out of every eight weeks. What happens is we have guys who don't get burned out doing deacon work. What happens is that our shut-in folks get regular attention. I was down uh, at Baptist Manor this past week to see Miss Annie Hamlet. Miss Annie Hamlet is in her uh, 80s. She is blind, but she has the greatest personality of anybody you've ever seen. She is a, a rabid fan of Georgia Tech, which gets her and me in real heated conversations every time I'm over there to see her. She, is a, she loves the Braves, and she is still torn up over that last game that we had with the St. Louis Cardinals. But when I was over there this past week, 
She told me, she said, Jimmy, we, we got to talk about Georgia Tech. We got to talk about the Braves. She forgave me for being a Bulldog fan again. And then she said, she said, Jimmy, I want you to know something. She said, the deacons at our church have been calling me on a regular basis. And she said, it has been such a blessing. She said, last week, Claiborne James called me. And she said, Claiborne and I decided that we would forgive you for being a Georgia Bulldog fan just this one more time. She was so appreciative for the ministry of our deacon body. Miss Billy Joyner is so appreciative. She's our oldest member. She's so appreciative for the ministry of our deacon body. This is what we do. James White, I want you to stand up, you and Charnell. James White, we're ordaining him to be a new deacon. This is his wonderful wife, Charnell. If you haven't met these two people, you got to meet them. They're awesome. They are awesome people. I want you to appreciate them. Love y'all. Thank you. There is uh, Neil and Jessica Carlson. Y'all stand up here. Uh, Appreciate Neil and Jessica very much. Uh, what, a, what a delight it's going to be to have you on our deacon body, Neil. Appreciate you very much, and I want you to appreciate him and Jessica. Dave and Jenny Edson. Dave and Jenny Edson. Uh, love y'all. What a blessing you've been since you've been in our church. Appreciate you very, very much. Dave has been on a couple of our search committees. Then we got Jim and Michelle Gaddy. Jim and Michelle uh, what a blessing y'all are. Uh, Jim was captain of our softball team. He's been on several of our, couple of our search committees. Michelle works with our children. I want you to appreciate them very much. Y'all can sit back down. I've been a pastor since 1983. I've seen a lot of deacons. I've worked with a lot of deacon bodies. I've never worked with a deacon body that's as good as the deacons at Palmetto Baptist. I love these guys. They do great work. They've been such a blessing, such a support, such an affirmation. And to add you four guys to this deacon body just makes it even better than it ever was. And I appreciate you very much. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you four guys to come here to this altar and kneel. I'm going to ask your wives to uh, sit beside you there as you're knelt in the altar. And while our band begins to play music, uh, at this time we're going to have an ordination prayer. And anyone who would like to come and lay hands on either of these guys as we pray, I invite you to do that. Um, Laying hands on, on people is a sign of we support you, we are for you, we believe in you, and we are praying for you. And so you guys, I want to ask you to get up and come on over here to the altar. You can pull those cushions out so you can kneel on those. And, and uh, ladies, if y'all will, just make your way beside them. I think we have uh, room for everybody. Yep. Eric Johnston is our incoming deacon chair, 
And uh, Eric's going to come and lead us in this altar prayer while Eric is making his way up here. If you would like to come and just join us in laying hands on these guys and their families, I invite you to, to get up and do that at this time. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for each of these gentlemen and their willingness to serve and accept the responsibilities they have chosen to accept. We ask that you continue to give them the faith to continue your service. We ask that you give them the wisdom, the strength, and the guidance to handle the situations you put in front of them. We ask that they accept the call of being a deacon with the heart of a servant, and we ask that you bless their families so that they can continue to serve the members of your church. In your loving name we pray, amen. Amen. What a beautiful sight this is. Seeing our church together in the altar, laying hands on these guys, arm in arm with folks. It's one of the most beautiful things I think you could ever see. And all of this is about spreading the good news. We're going to stand now and have an invitation. Maybe there's someone here who has never invited Christ to be your Savior, and you'd like to make that decision here today. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you're not a member of a a church, and you feel the Lord leading you to join our church. We'd love to have you here. Maybe you just want to come and take one of these guys by the hand or maybe his wife by the hand and say, hey, I love you and appreciate you and I'm supporting you. Whatever you feel the Lord leading you to do, let's stand together and let's worship together. All right, let's do that.